And welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex Savage Pusher back again. I'm obviously not going to get this out till after the Yankees game. Even though I was going to do an earlier like preview of this game. I'm going to do a preview of the rest of the series. The Yankees are losing right now to the Miami Marlins 3-2. to Later on in the podcast, we have the Giants 49ers preview with Jordan Levine coming on, as always, or at least most of the time. But we have a couple of things to talk about. We're going to recap the Blue Jays series, and we're also going to go over some of the stat line for most of the players that played in the Blue Jays series and talk about some other things as well. So before I get into the recap and everything, I want to talk about a subject. Now, obviously, he's in the lineup tonight. Gary Sanchez, and Aaron Boone came out a couple of days ago and said, Kyle Higashoka is going to be our game one catcher with Garrett Cole pitching, and basically Gary Sanchez is not going to be our starting catcher right now. Well, why did they pick now? You know, we're going towards the end of the season, and it's been evident for the past couple of years, past two, three, that Gary Sanchez is not good on defense. And it's not just the defensive part. A couple of days ago, Michael Kay on his show had a caller. Uh, she was basically saying, you know, uh, why don't they just bench him already? You know, he hasn't been good on defense. And, you know, why don't they just, you know, replace him, Higgy, make Higgy the catcher? And he said, well, he's hitting nine home runs. And Kyle Higashoka has been in the minor leagues forever. I disagree with that, really. Because in two separate instances, ever since Girardi has been gone, now he's with the Phillies, he's the manager, he has not shown, meaning Aaron Boone, an instance of balls in containing Gary Sanchez. He's not been running balls out, meaning ground balls, fly balls, whatever you want. Uh, He has not been... Succeeding on offense, right now let's take a look at the stats. He didn't do well against the Blue Jays in this last series. We'll talk about that. But so far on the season, he has 61 strikeouts. Now, mind you, he played in less games than in his career. But one statistic to show. Now, in 2016, he came in the second half of the season, you know, rookie of the year voting and stuff because he was very good. And his batting average was high, and his home runs were high. He has struck out 61 times this season. That is more than he did in 2016. Okay, you could say, oh, well, what about the games? Gary Sanchez had 53 games, which was more, and had more plate appearances. 229 and 201 at-bats. So don't give me this whole thing, oh, you know, uh, Gary's hit nine home runs. Well, he's hit ten. And, you know, every other hit is a home run for him in the case that he's been struggling. But when he gets the hit, it's a flyout or a homer. Let's, Let's be honest for about 20 seconds here. And the Yankees put all their bread in the basket when it came to Gary Sanchez. They traded Brian McCann at the end of the 2015, I'm pretty sure it was 2016, because that's when they started tanking, as people call it, or rebuilding. That's when they traded Beltron, that's when they traded Chapman, that's when they traded Andrew Miller. So, 
It was at the end of 2016 where they traded McCann for two prospects, one of them being Albert Abreu. And, you know, Sanchez pretty much, you know, was labeled the starting catcher going from there. Whether you can put the backup, you know, who's going to be the starting catcher by that time? Austin Romine? I mean, he is like a Kyle Higashoka because both of them, for a significant amount of time, were with the Yankees organization. But what I'm saying is, you put all the bread in a basket, and you've been instilling your confidence in Gary Sanchez for the longest time and have not been doing shit about his struggles and his lack of effort. I'm not even saying struggles. I mean, it is, but I'm not going to go ahead and say, you know, uh, I'm not going to go there and say it's not effort because it is effort. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that it has to come to this point. And, you know, I'm sorry I'm looking at the TV, but they just called like catcher's interference or batter's interference and the bench coach is arguing, and so is the first base coach, Reggie Willits. I think they think that Clint Frazier interfered. No, the umpire interfered. Unbelievable. This umpire has been horrible tonight. You know, low pitches, high pitches, Aaron Boone was ejected. Garrett Cooper was almost ejected. I know I'm doing this late, but, you know, hopefully I get it out before 12 a.m. Anyway, the point is, you instilled all of the bread in the basket with Gary Sanchez, and now you're taking him out after so long. You, It's like putting somebody as your franchise quarterback, trading your backup quarterback, and then having some interception problems with the quarterback, turnovers, fumbles, whatever, and then you just realize it now and said, okay, we're going to bench him. Is it not similar to this right now? I mean, let's... And Clint Fraser strikes down, break his bat on the knees. Tell me it's not like that situation. I know I'm getting distracted, but you know what? He's him. He is angry right now. Yeah, he's fucking pissed. Anyway, this game is distracting me, but for lack of better words, they put all the bread in the basket and all the cards on the table with Gary Sanchez, and now, you know, all of a sudden he's not working. First of all, he would have worked if Aaron Boone had instilled more confidence away. It wasn't necessarily all about confidence, more effort and more punishment and accountability. Because, you know, during the seven-game losing streak, all we heard is, we saw some good things. I could say the same for the Giants because, you know, they actually have had some productive things. It's been on and off with the Yankees for the last couple of weeks of the season. And that's not good going in the playoffs. So I'm going to read the stat line. But first, before the game today, the Yankees optioned Tyler Lyons and called Miguel Yahure. Yahure had a 1.80 ERA and four strikeouts and had one whip in the big leagues. And for Lions, he pitched in one of the Blue Jays games. I think it was the blowout game. 21.60 ERA with a 2.40 whip. So take a look at like the huge stat line. This is combined for all the players in the series. So LeMahieu, he had two strikeouts. He was 6 for 17, 325 batting average. Voigt, 3Ks. One run, one walk, three for 16, 188, which was a little bit not impressing, disappointing. Judge, three runs, one RBI, three Ks, and a walk, 333 batting average, four for 12. Stanton, five Ks, a walk, one for 12, 083 batting average. Aaron Hicks, three RBIs, three walks, three runs, two Ks, four for 14, 286 batting average. Gardner, two walks, one run, one ribby, two Ks, two for eight. 250 batting average. Clint Frazier, three walks, four Ks, two for 10, 200 batting average. Giovanni Urshela, one run, three RBIs, walk, nine for 15, 600 batting average, which is actually the best. 
in the at-bats that he had. Glaber Torres, three walks, two runs, two for nine, 222 batting average. Kratz did not really, you know, fill in as an offensive hitter. He just filled in as a defensive replacement and a pitcher. Mike Talkman had a three-run double. It was one for one, obviously, being that three-run double. One run, 1,000 batting average. Tyler Wade coming in like pinch hit, pinch run situations. Walk, run, 0 for 2, no batting average. Kyle Higashoka, two RBIs, 1K, 2 for 7, 286 batting average. Sanchez, 3Ks, 0 for 5, no batting average. And some stats coming into this game, obviously, you know, it's playing right now, so I can't necessarily, you know, go back in time and make these predictions or whatever, but... Here are the rankings that, you know, some of them I came up with. I mean, I'm not a big stack guy when it comes to baseball. Football, yes, but in football and baseball, which we'll learn later, stats don't always tell the story. So for the Yankees rankings, they have 301 runs scored. That's first in the AL. They're seventh in the AL in runs given up, which is 257. AR 6-4 in their last 10 games, three of those four coming from the Blue Jays series. Now, when going to the Marlins rankings, they're a negative 40 run differential, 13th in the NL, 250 runs scored, so that's, you know, ranking 9th in the AL, 290 ranking 13th in the National League, and then they're 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. So... Something I want to talk about, obviously, the first game is already happening, and by the time this gets released, it's going to be over, but my point being is that the next two games, you got Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt. Now, you don't know if Tanaka's coming back next year, because, you know, he, in his last start, was thinking, oh, is this going to be my last regular season start for the Yankees? I don't want it to be. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want it to be. You know, he's had his up and downs, but much better than Hap and Paxton, the way they pitch this season, whatever. But it's going to be a tryout, in my opinion. Now, Boone might not see it that way. Cashman might not see it that way. I see it that way. Because you're going to have Garrett Cole. Let's say they bring Tanaka back. Let's say they bring up one more pitcher or do something like that. Uh, They have, I don't know, bring Jay Happ back or something else. Clark Schmidt and Davey Garcia will have to prove themselves. And we'll see if Davey Garcia is material for the playoffs. But my point is... What's going to happen next season with a third and fourth spot in the rotation? Because you're not always going to have a five or a guaranteed five. Maybe that'll be like Cesar Loisega. Both, I don't like them. But in that case, what I'm talking about is, you know, that's going to be the five guy, meaning Cesar and Loisega. So who's your fourth guy? You're always going to use that fourth guy. Unless, you know, obviously, if you want a bullpen day on select days, you know, who's going to be that guy? Do the Yankees have enough money to go out there and get like a middle-aged veteran, as baseball terms would put it? I wouldn't suggest it because you have some pitching. And Clark Schmidt, and he's been really mistreated, in my opinion, for the last couple times he's pitched because they've thrown him out there in games that they are not even close to winning. Just like the Blue Jays game a couple weeks ago. But uh, Davey Garcia, he's impressed me in a couple of starts, but also... uh, He's had his struggles. That's the problem. But I don't think... I'm in the middle. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in the middle with him being in the playoffs because I trust Hap, but I don't. And you don't know what's going on with Montgomery. I have no confidence in him anymore. You know, he showed a little bit, I think it was last year, of struggle when he came back from the Tommy John surgery. Now, you know, he's just pitched 
horrible, horrible. But the main point I've been trying to get across with this is that, you know, Davy Garcia and Clark Schmidt, soon enough they will be fighting for roster spots, unless one of them get traded, of course. You know, the Yankees like to, you know, trade prospects at some point in their careers and get, like, pitchers back that will last them one year. Like, Sonny Gray was one. Dustin Fowler, Jorge Mateo, and James Caprillion were given up. Then you had prospects given up for Todd Frazier and David Robertson. That lasted about a year. You also had, uh, let's see, what else, what else, what else? You also had the James Paxton trade. You know, James Paxton hasn't been good this season. You also have the Jay Happ trade, which you gave up Brandon Jury and Billy McKinney. McKinney I actually liked. I saw him in Scranton a couple times when I lived in Pennsylvania. But my point is, you know, instill confidence in your young pitching staff, whether it's Garcia or Schmidt. I'm not even going to mention Michael King because he's just downright depressing. He is downright depressing. And, you know, I know I'm just making takes and whatnot, but it's something that the Yankees fans can get behind because King, Michael King, he's, you know, he's been terrible, lost the last couple of starts, and he's just been giving up runs and hits. It's it's bad. But going back to the game one, Urshela, he had a run and then was 10 unanswered and the third, in the third, the fourth, the fifth, actually not the fifth, the sixth, then Urshela grounded out to shortstop in the seventh, and Talkman doubled in the ninth, but obviously that was not enough, it was 11-5, uh, Michael King, as I mentioned, going back to Tuesday, you know, he hasn't been good, and he didn't do good that start, Shoemaker, we should have destroyed him, his ERA is a 4.71, Blue Jays don't have the most successful pitching staff, that's why I'm saying that. Now, going to game two, we crushed them 12-1. to And one of my friends said to me, okay, they'll crush us, you know, uh, tomorrow, and then we'll crush them. You know, it's a Yankee pattern, but it didn't work, actually. Garrett Cole, great start by him. Seven innings, 108 pitches. I'm surprised he stayed in that long, but they're relying less on the bullpen, which seems to be a positive note. But then again, the analytics will trick them back into it because it's all what comes out of a fucking computer. Uh, five hits, one and run, seven Ks, one homer, 108 pitches. As I mentioned, Tanner Roark, we totally destroyed him. Four and a third's innings, seven hits, six run runs, four Ks, 72 pitches. And this is the first series in a while that we haven't hit a homer. Game one, game two, game three, game four. No homers. And, you know, Sanchez hit a homer the last series. That was, I think, the extra inning game in Boston, but... That's the last series, and the Blue Jays also is the last series, but we're going to recap that. Obviously, Torres, Hicks, Higashoka, Gardner, and Urshela were big contributors with RBIs in the 12-1 game. Now we go to Game 3, where we got crushed, and we got totally demolished. Rush Stripling actually got a save because he stayed in from the 6th on, and it was a save situation in the 6th. So basically, there... You know, he stayed in no matter what the score is. You know, it just happens to be like that with blowouts. But Tanaka did not have a good start. As I mentioned, he was nervous about his final start. But the Yankees, every pitcher gave up a run, including Eric Kratz. But, you know, Eric Kratz is a catcher, and he threw a pitch that was a homer to a catcher. But Sessa, he's got to go. Lions, you know, I don't know, understand, you know, why we're keeping him around. My point is, you know, in a different sense, we need to revise what the bullpen looks like. Because Canely's injury hurt us. Ever since then, it's been Adovino. He's been spit spot. Sessa hasn't been good. Sessa hasn't been good for a couple of years now. Let's remark that. Lions, you know, 
hasn't been good. You know, he's someone you could rely on every 17 fucking games. Uh, Loisega, he's been on and off. Britton, Chapman, same thing. You know, you are worrying constantly whether they are in a safe situation and they're going to go out there and get the save. You know, that's something you really shouldn't have with this bullpen because coming into the year, the bullpen was supposed to be one of the best in the league. But Robbie Ray, we should have totally destroyed. His record, 2-5 and five coming into the game, 4-0, and oh, four innings pitch, three hits, one earned run, four walks and five Ks, 90 pitches in the fourth. Again, you know, stats don't tell every story, but you could see there that they worked the pitch count and didn't even take advantage. That's my problem. We're going back to 2016 again. But anyway, going to recap the fourth game. It was less of a blow, and the Yankees' offense couldn't get it done. Going back to where stats tell the story, I said that the Yankees ranked the first in the American League with runs scored. This series did not show it, so you actually have to go back and, you know, box score and, you know, actually, you know, knowing and watching and seeing what the game's you know, we're like, as Aaron Hicks grounds out into the shift. I hate the shift, by the way. Anyway, Hinjin Rue did good in his start against Jordan Montgomery. He, very impressive, 100 pitches in seven innings, five hits, two walks, four Ks. Then Montgomery, five and a third innings pitched, 88 pitches, six hits, three on runs, eight Ks, and a homer. So, again, I'm not too impressed with him. Arvino gave up a run, and Chad Green and Chapman pretty much kept it. I would say middle-middle where they didn't give up any runs in that situation. And to be honest, I don't know why they put Chapman in. I guess it's, you know, relying on Chapman when he has like five days off of rest, he pitches really badly. But if he has like two, three days of rest, you know, he's ready to go. So it doesn't make any a lot of sense. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But something they need to take from this series going in the next one, the Marlins are going to be playing their hardest baseball, you know. Until they clinch a playoff berth, they are the seventh seed right now. They haven't clinched. But until they do, they're going to be playing the hardest baseball. Because you got a couple teams behind them that want that spot. And we'll see how they play in the playoffs. I don't know the exact circumstances. But it's going to be, you know, they're going to be putting up competition. And you know Don Mattingly is going to get them ready, you know. That's basically what I have to say. But let's go to the preview of the Giants 49ers game that is happening on Sunday. Just let me turn my fan off. All right. All right, let's get to it, my man. All right, so now we're here to discuss the preview for the 49ers-Giants game on Sunday, of course, joined by Jordan Levine, editor at All New York Sports. So a lot of things to talk about here, Jordan. Now I'm going to first go up with the stock up, stock down from last week's game coming to this week's game. Lorenzo Carter got a sack, so he's stock up. Blake Martinez, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, James Bradbury, stock down a couple of people. Corey Ballantyne, Daniel Jones a little bit, Andrew Thomas, and I ate him. So, real quickly before we get into everything else, Giants really have to take advantage of the injury report and the injury bug for the 49ers. Here is the injury report. Now, this does include a lot of players that are on IR. Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman, George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, D4, Dre Greenlaw, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mohamed Sanu is making his debut. Uh, D4, Akela Witherspoon, who's questionable, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, Ronald Blair, Weston Richburg. For the Giants injury report, Adrian Colbert is unlikely to play on Sunday. 
He has a quad injury, and Brandon Williams, the other defensive back, has a groin injury. He is questionable. So, Jordan, how do they take advantage of the injuries when it comes to 49ers, knowing that they're a huge underdog coming into the season, but now they are only a couple points favorite? Well, yeah, I believe I think the spread is, I think, Niners minus three and a half. So the Niners are still favored given all those injuries for basically their entire front, defensive front, plus their quarterback, obviously, their number one offensive weapon, their running backs. I mean, it's a banged up team and they're still the favorites. That shows something about the Giants. And quite frankly, I think that the players need to go in with the mindset that they're freaking pissed off that they're not favored for this game because the Giants are a team that have done everything right but they have had a couple key mistakes in game held them back. So I think that uh, the main st- strategy here that they'll probably go with is probably throw a lot of pressure at, at quarterback Nick Mullins. He hasn't played uh, meaningful snaps in a couple of years. So I think that'll be a lot. Lorenzo Carter, we're going to have to see him step up if we want to see the Giants win. And uh, another thing is it might sound cliche, but you got to use your weapon. They signed this week. I think they got to, they got to be able to establish a run game early. The, entire interior defensive line and, and both their edge rushers for the 49ers are injured. That's usually such a strong unit, but now because of the injuries, the Giants need to exploit that. Now, I think it this way. I don't know if you do. Do you think they should go running back by committee? Cause Freeman might not be totally adjusted, but Lewis and Goldman and Penny are, even though they won't use Penny, do you think they should go running back by committee? Right. I mean, obviously, I don't know that it will 100% be Devontae Freeman's game to play. I mean, hopefully he learned some of the playbook in the one week, less than a week that he's been here. Um, you know, I, 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 I could see him being the guy in the long run. I think it will be a committee. I think there will be one guy who's getting maybe 12 to 15 carries a game kind of leading the pack, and I think that probably will end up being Devontae Freeman or Wayne Gallman. But uh, for this Sunday, I'd probably – put him in the same boat of, as Leonard Fournette from week one for the Bucks. Um, kind of just, you know, maybe five, six touches. He'll get not a high percentage of snaps for the total offense, probably just because he doesn't know the entire playbook yet. Now, Giants are reportedly leaning towards leaving Ballantyne out of the starting spot. Isaac Yidom is probably the only choice you put at uh, cornerback two. Is there a chance you hide him? How do you game plan that? Because Yadom hasn't necessarily played better than Ballantyne, but I guess the Giants had to make a switch. And I actually wrote an article on Last Word on Sports about, you know, Ballantyne, you know, he's not the answer. But it's, I don't know, I don't know how you go about this if you're the Giants. I mean, I do understand that the 49ers are out with some of their best weapons, but they do have Dante Pettis, Richie James, and... Mohamed Sanu who's making his debut and what do you have to do here to sort of hide Yaidom or he, he does Yaidom have to still play his best football well obviously I, there's no way to win football games if you're hiding a player that just means you got a problem um, again I think that is a huge problem that the Giants have is that that CB2 position we've talked about it plenty of times I think we both know who each of us like and don't like for the position and kind of just goes back to show you how much it really meant to lose DeAndre Baker for the Giants. I think that's all that you can take away from this because there's no real way to hide Yaidom. Obviously, he's going to have to play at his best, and that probably still won't even be necessarily enough, but he's going to have to 
really buckle down and, and try to avoid mistakes, especially big touchdown plays, which he's let up a couple times, had some close calls as well, obviously with the Anthony Miller throw last week. Now, another thing that I came across, and Giants community, once the stat was put out, I don't know who came out with it first, but you know, then people started following up, is that, you know, obviously against Jets defense last week, you know, Mullins had his fair share of good throws, bad throws. But the Giants last week on third down, they went to three rushers on third down a lot, and that ended up costing him a little bit, you know. The point of most of the time of the point of third down, you know, three rushers is to have more defensive backs, and we know Patrick Graham likes that, but I sincerely think that they need to get away from that this week and put pressure on Mullins. I mean, a decent offensive line, but I still think, you know, you need to put edge rushers around there because, you know, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams may not cut it all the time, and I understand, you know, Patrick Graham's so infested with the DBs and what he's got to play with, but I think, sincerely, you know, if you want to start winning football games and getting your team off the field, you have to start going with a little bit more blitzing, as much as he did last season in Miami, even though it didn't work out because they were one of the worst defenses in the league. You know, I usually do agree with you. At this time, I'm going to have to tend to disagree just because of the success of the defense so far this season. I don't feel that necessarily the defense needs to make any changes to how it's been going so far because, obviously, we've been getting to the quarterback, right? We've been getting sacks. We've been putting pressure on the quarterback. Teams haven't really run the ball so well on us besides the last week with Montgomery. I mean, there were a couple of flaky plays there, some big gainers that were on blown coverages and stuff like that missed tackles. Um, I think that more of what the Giants need to do to clean up on defense is not really switch up the game plan, but more clean up the mistakes. You know what I mean? Even if there is going to be a little hole where someone catches the ball, you can't miss a tackle and let David Montgomery run for an extra 25 yards for a touchdown if you're Nate Ebner and Julian Love. You know, it's things like that that they gotta they gotta really buckle down on. It's you can't let Mitchell Trubisky march down on you in the last under a minute left in the second half and and throw a touchdown over our, uh, over uh, I think it might have been Valentine uh, to yeah. to a rookie receiver going into the half. You, you got to clean up those big play mistakes. That's that's more of what I believe they need to do. So going into a statistical preview through week two. <laughs> 49ers, when it comes to offense, they are 19th in total yards, 19th in total yards per game, 27th in passing yards, 29th in passing yards per game, uh, 7th in rushing yards, 7th in rushing yards per game, 15th in points, uh, 16th in points per game. When it comes to the defense, with total yards, they are 4th, total yards per game, they are 4th, obviously. Same with passing yards, still the same rank at 4th. However, in the rushing game, they may be missing more than they were missing last week in the case that they are ranked 26th and the Giants are ranked 24th when it comes to the running game. And for points, they are 7th. So that's definitely somewhere they need to attack now for the Giants with their offensive rankings. They are 29th in total yards per game in total yards. Passing yards, they are 20th. Passing yards per game, they are 19th. Rushing yards, they are 32nd. Rushing yards per game, 32nd. And points per game and points, they are 32nd. But when it comes to defense... They are fourth in total yards and total yards per game, second in passing yards per game and total passing yards, rushing yards and rushing yards per game. They both rank 24th. And for points and points per game, 11th. So if I'm the Giants, I'd say let's get the running game going right now. This is more than a better opportunity for them. 
because obviously, you know, Saquon got hurt last week and there was, you know, questions of whether Deion Lewis could find a hole or not. And obviously the week before it was against Pittsburgh. So for a team that ranks 26 against a run and is really missing some of their front, you know, linebackers and defensive linemen, you cannot pass this up, especially, you know, use... Wayne Gallman effectively. Use Deion Lewis effectively on third down as a pass catcher, maybe. Use Devonta Freeman on the plays that he does know already to go in there. And uh, that's pretty much what I have to say, especially. And as we talked about before, they have to get better at stopping the run, no matter what running back is in there. It's always been that running back, too. You know, Benny Snell, towards the end of the game, 113 rushing yards, I think he had on us. David Montgomery, same thing. He was running back, too. And will it be Jeff Wilson this week? Hopefully not, because Jarek McKinnon is the number one running back who actually had a 55-yard rush on a 3rd and 31 play against the Jets. And we're not as bad as the Jets on defense, which was actually kind of flipped in a way because the expectation was otherwise. But you have to get your running game going on both sides of the ball, whether it's stopping the run on the defense and getting the run game going on the offense. Jordan, what do you have to say on that? Well, obviously, the stats highlight for the Giants, obviously, that it's the complete opposite narrative of what we thought was going to happen going into the season, that we're so much better on defense than we are on offense. And another thought on that is that also it goes to show because the problems on our defense, the main problem we've seen is these big play touchdowns led up by our secondary. We're second in, in pass defense. And it hasn't really been anything but some late game garbage time, extra rushes, and some big runs from guys like Snell and Montgomery that have uh, propelled them to the top. It just goes to show that stats aren't everything all the time because the Giants' pasty has clearly not looked second best in the, in the league, although at times it has. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to point out is that just if the statistical preview kind of hurts the Giants this week just because they're playing a Niners team that's going to look a lot, lot different than what it has this season. So you don't really know how they're going to mesh together. And we'll see what they do differently from 2018 when they versed them and Jimmy tore his ACL and obviously was out for the season. But my keys to win are number three, stop the run. That's what we already discussed. Stop the run. You know, they are bottom of the league in stopping the run. Obviously, as I mentioned, you know, the number two running back has always hurt them so far. Let's hope for a different result this week, especially and. As they go in a lot of nickel packages with Blake Martinez as the only linebacker, the report's coming out today that Carter Coughlin is actually practicing at inside linebacker. So that just shows... Wow. Yeah. They, I didn't even see that. Yeah, they are... That should doing, be interesting. Yeah, they're doing that. And it just shows that a lot of Giant fans, and you know, I'm not going to get into this too much, that they could be missing Connolly in a way, maybe, maybe not. Because... On the limited snaps, we've seen Devontae Downs. He hasn't been what the Giants have hoped so far, I believe. You know, it's mostly been special teams, and he hasn't, you know, really affected the play on the snaps he was in there. Now, everybody's shouting, you know, give Tate Crowder a chance because of, look at the camp he had. But, you know, I guess they feel that he's still developing and that he's still got ways to go. Same with Brunson, same with Coughlin, but I still think that you need to do something probably at that second inside linebacker position because what are you going to do when... You know, Blake Martinez, just in case, you know, what are you going to do when he gets injured or needs a rest on a play? Are you going to put Devontae Downs in there? He's not looked impressive on his limited snaps. So, and you're definitely going to need a run-stopping linebacker in which the Giants invested this offseason, especially in the draft. You know, Cam Brown, another one of those linebackers being as well. But 
it just goes to show, you know, some moves work out, some moves don't, but we'll see going on and going forward with the season. But number three, stop the run. Number two, get the run game going. As I mentioned, running back by committee and 49ers 26 in rushing. Stats aren't everything, but, you know, clearly looking at the yards, it's either the chunk plays, the small plays, they get to them. And number one. It's definitely the definitely the week to take advantage of that and start getting the run game going. And you face Aaron Donald next week, so it's not going to be an easy one, especially, you know, going all the way out to the West Coast. It's not easy. And number one, take advantage of the 49ers injuries. You know, this has been the theme all week by Giants fans. If you don't get it this week, we may not see a week like this till like, I don't know, week six, because I'm pretty sure we play the, the Washington football team, as they call it, week six. And a lot of people predicted we win that game because, you know, home field advantage or whatnot. But my point is, you know, the Cowboys might put it, tough competition up the Rams are certainly not the easiest team to go against they're 2-0 right now they beat the Eagles and they also uh who else they Cow- beat they Cowboys. beat the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football so they're t- so they're clearly not an easy team to beat and obviously as I mentioned you got Aaron Donald in the middle and your number one the number one corner over there is Jalen Ramsey so again take advantage of 49ers injuries now for my prediction I have them to be honest, I'm going to have them losing because it just showed up in the past, whether coaching staff, you know, this, that, and the other thing, that they have not, as a team, whatever players you have on the roster, that they have not showed up when it comes to their advantage. Like, two years ago, depleted secondary for the Eagles and the Giants went in there, had a lead. They blew it in Philly in 2018, didn't make the proper adjustments, they blew the game. A year later, did the same thing on Monday Night Football and Eli tore that secondary apart but it was only like, what, uh, 17, 19 points that they got. And pretty much they were shut out for the rest of the half. They only played two quarters in the game. And basically, you know, that's what happened. So, you know, I have confidence in this coaching staff that, you know, they make the adjustments. They implement this, that, and the other thing, you know, especially halftime with Joe Judge and how stern he is. But the point is take advantage of 49ers injuries and don't just play two quarters a game. Right. I, in my opinion, I agree with you. I couldn't have said it better. It's going to come down to taking advantage of those injuries, playing the full game, playing your heart out the whole game, playing smart football. Everyone's got to be held accountable, and, and that's really it. You know, they that's all they got to do. They just got to put their head down, not let it get to their heads, and and hopefully they can eke out a win, you know? Now, just as a funny question, if the Giants were only play two quarters in this game, is it the first half of the second half for you. Hopefully it's the second half just because I know Garoppolo's out. The 49ers offense might come out and have their own problems missing so many of their weapons that even if we play badly on offense, I trust our defense to hold them to a, t- a tight little uh, margin in the first half. See, I would disagree with you because I say it's the first half because if you take a look at the momentum, right? So obviously all the momentum going to week one, they played better in the first and the second half. The Pittsburgh game... Then that low momentum pushed from the second half of the Pittsburgh game to the first half of the Bears game. And then they started running up the momentum again in the second half. So I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a, you know basically a trail thing where second half of the Bears momentum will go into the first half of the 49ers momentum. That's how I feel on it, at least. Right. Well, I, I'm saying which would I rather uh, them play better for, not which I believe they'll play better for. I would definitely uh, rather at least they play the second half better because, you know, right. obviously, but uh, if it goes to my beliefs, I probably would say first that half. they would first half because, you know, right. hopefully 
that doesn't happen again this week. Hopefully we play four quarters. <laughs> yeah, hopefully four and not two, not 50% of the game. Jordan, thanks right. for coming on. Thanks, hopefully, another, man. hopefully another Giants win this week. For sure, hopefully.